Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, we give you thanks for this day. We ask that you open our hearts and minds up to the movement of your spirit as we hear your word proclaimed. And help us to live out that word in faithful action in Christ's name. Amen. Well, any discussion of the spiritual life uh, from a Christian perspective always begins with God and his love. Last week I talked a little bit about the Ignatian way of finding God in all things. And I encouraged you over the summer, if you had a chance, to try the spiritual practice of the examine as a way to reflect each day on your life of discipleship. Well, I mentioned last week that God is not distant and aloof, uh, far from us, but always there walking beside us, both in times of blessing and joy, and also in times of trouble and sorrow. Today we're going to build on this understanding as we seek to become more spiritually connected to God and the world that God created and loves. God has created humanity as recipients of his love. Uh, God's love is so immense uh, that it couldn't be contained, that it needed uh, to be let out, and it needed to go somewhere. And I'm thankful, and I hope you're thankful, that uh, God gives his love to each of us. I'm also thankful that we as human beings have the ability to consciously recognize and receive God's love. And then, once that happens, then we're able to reciprocate it. We're able to offer it uh, back to God. Uh, we can love God back, and of course, God desires that uh, that love be returned to him as well. Uh, just for those of you who are parents, you know uh, that obviously you love your children no matter what. But you also want to receive love back. It, it feels good uh, when they show you that same love in return. As those created by God, we receive love from God. We love God back, and then we reflect God's love to the world as instruments and agents of God's love in and for the world. But some of you may be wondering what exactly is the spiritual life, and as I was doing some studying this week, there's all kinds of things out there. If you type that in, you'll hear all kinds of ways that people define spiritual and, and what that might be uh, engaging with. Some of them have nothing to do with God at all. And so as we begin this time together, I thought we should get on the same page so we all know kind of what we're talking about. And I found a definition that was from Pastor Adam Hamilton that I think is in line with what we're looking for here and also with what Wesley is speaking of uh, as well. He defines it this way. The Christian spiritual life is our relationship with, our experience of, and our being shaped by God into the human beings God intends us to be. I'll say that one more time so you can let it sink in a little bit. The Christian spiritual life is our relationship with God our experience of and our being shaped by God into the human beings God intends us to be. Well, we often talk about this as a spiritual journey. Uh, we're on a path of, of this uh, faith that we live uh, that involves knowing and loving and then also serving God. During these three weeks, we're going to seek to learn how we can grow in our spiritual lives, looking at practice, practices and perspectives that can take us to a deeper spiritual life. To help us along the way on this journey, we're going to uh, utilize this book that some of you have. 
the Wesley Challenge, 21 Days to a More Authentic Faith. We're also going to send out some push notifications each day with uh, one of those 21 questions so that you can do it on your own if you're not in participating in one of the studies. But um, this will allow you um, to connect, I think, in a very impactful way on what spirituality is. Uh, so we'll look at these. Um, John Wesley is Methodism's founder, and he developed these questions in 1729 while he was a teaching fellow at Lincoln College at Oxford University in England. Uh, John was just 26 years old at the time, and he prepared these questions to help a small group of people, including his brother Charles Wesley, who wrote lots of hymns and was a pastor as well. Um, and it was intended to help them grow deeper in their spirituality. Wesley believed that these questions could help the students with self-examination of their own spiritual lives, but then also point them towards practices that would help them grow in their faith. And because this group, group uh, took their faith very seriously and often uh, were very methodical in their attempt to put their faith into practice, uh, they became mockingly known as the Methodists. So this originally was a derogatory term. Uh, oh, those Methodists, you know. And the other Oxford students kind of poked fun at them because they were so methodical. Um, they had a plan. They had a method about growing in their faith. And I'm going to invite all of you uh, to be good Methodists over the next 21 days. I'd also like to encourage you, though, not to take this journey alone. Uh, the accountability, the support, and the encouragement of a small group is invaluable if you desire to grow in your faith. Uh, it's messy. It's hard. Um, and uh, surrounding yourself with a group really does help. Um, tonight, I've got a group that begins. Uh, if you aren't in another uh, study group or growth group already, uh, feel free to come and join us. We're going to meet in the parlor back at church from 6 to 7 o'clock tonight. Um, and then there's also, as Jerry said earlier, that list in your bulletin of some other groups that are already meeting. And we'd love to have you come and be a part of any of those. But as we journey together, uh, there's a question, uh, excuse me, a question? Hey, that's a Christian and a question becomes a question, I think. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> let me take a sip of water. <laughs> I've got a little sinus issue and uh, it's uh, hitting me every once in a while. <clears throat> excuse me. Where was I here? Question. <laughs> yes. As we journey together, there is a question for each day that Wesley proposed first to the Holy Club back at Oxford. And today, uh, we're going to spend some time looking at the first question, which is, is Jesus real to me? I think this is a critical kind of foundational question for us uh, for developing spiritual lives. Uh, Richard Rohr observes in his book, uh, universal Christ, that many Christians understandably start their spiritual journey assuming that God is up there, and our job is to transcend this world to find him. And I think that's often what gets us off track, uh, is because we're so, um, you know, we're thinking, oh, it's just such a thing up there, I could never attain it, or, or you try to, but in your trying to attain it, you don't recognize God right there uh, beside you. Um, he goes on to say, um, we spend so much time trying to get up there that we miss that God's big leap in Jesus was to come down here. That's a really important thing to keep in our mind. 
You know, God didn't stay up there, but God chose to come down here and be God with us. As a result, much of our uh, worship and religious effort, um, when we focus on God up there, is the spiritual equivalent of trying to go up what has become the down escalator. You know, I know as a kid, I've tried that a few times. It doesn't work very well. You know, I actually went to Chicago the other day when we were on the L. I tried to do it on accident. You know, I just wasn't paying attention. I was expecting that that was going to, when I went around the corner, that that was going to be the... It wasn't. <laughs> anyway. He says, I suspect that the up there mentality is the way most people's spiritual search has to start. But once the real inner journey begins, once you come to know that in Christ, God is forever overcoming the gap between human and divine, the Christian path becomes uh, less about climbing and performance and more about descending and letting go and unlearning some things that you thought may have been that way. Uh, knowing and loving Jesus is largely about becoming fully human, wounds and all. Instead of ascending spiritually or thinking we can remain unwounded and you can go through a life of discipleship unscathed, uh, you can't. It's messy. The ego does not like this fundamental switch, though, at all. So we keep returning to some kind of performance principle, trying to climb out of this messy incarnation instead of learning from it. That God chose to come and be in the mess with us. So we, if we want to be Christ and be in Christ, we need to be down in the mess still today. But we're not alone. Through Christ, God is pouring God's self into all of creation. To be a Christian then is to see Christ in everyone and everything. We are not alone in the world and we are not an accident. You know, God created us. God knows us and God wants to have a relationship with us. And Jesus Christ is that proof. The Christian spiritual life begins and ends with God in Christ. Listen again to the scripture for today that... Uh, about what Paul said to the Greek philosophers at Athens about why God created human beings and our proximity to God. He created humans that we would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. Though indeed he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Notice three things here. We we're created to search for and find God. We don't just search and search and search, but we do find God if we truly search. <clears throat> then God is not far from us. And then lastly, in Him we live and we move, and we have our being. This wonderful quote at the end there, Paul borrowed from a Greek poet who says, God surrounds us like the air that we breathe. As Christians, we believe that our lives are completely dependent upon God. We exist because God is. Paul writes in Romans that nothing can separate us from the love of God. This idea is really important because God is not far from us. In fact, God is in us and in all creation. We've just got to pay attention and look around. The Apostle Paul uses the phrase, 
in Christo, in Christ, 164 times in his writings in the New Testament. It is the single most often used phrase that he has. Christ is in us, and we are in Christ. So the mature spiritual life is about letting the light of Christ that is in you shine through you to the world. And if you are sometimes tempted to think that following unjust rules and policies is more important than showing compassion, or if you think that being right is more important than being kind, then taking time for self-reflection and accountability, and once again recognizing the Christ that is in you and every other living being, then I believe you will, this will help you on your spiritual journey if you take this time. Because I know sometimes we all, that's that unlearning part, we all get some whacked out ideas in our minds. And there's a lot of people out there that will give you plenty of whacked out things to think about and believe. I would much prefer you to take a little bit of time to think as a Christian over these next 21 days to think about God and God's activity in the world and not worry so much about some other people's activities in the world that don't really matter a whole lot in the end. Because if we take this time, I think on the other side, we'll have grown in our relationship with God and it will help us to see our world in a new way uh, that will be enlivening to us. It won't uh, be as we've seen it in the past. It won't be a, just a dark place that we you know, hope to get out of to the by and by someday, but it'll be a place where we see God here and now into that glorious future. And Evelyn, excuse me, um, Christian faith promises that when we open ourselves to God, when we seek him, when we seek to live in relationship with God, we find a quality of life that we could not know otherwise. We experience what in Galatians Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit, Described as love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. In Evelyn Underhill's book, The Spiritual Life, she writes, So many Christians are like deaf people at a concert. They study the program carefully, believe every statement made in it, speak respectfully of the quality of the music, but rarely, but rarely <clears throat> hear a phrase now, uh, or maybe just now and again they hear a little bit of, of, of some sound. So they have no notion at all of the mighty symphony which fills the universe, to which our lives are destined to make their tiny contribution, and which is the self-expression of the eternal God. So the question is, are, are we hearing the music or do we just believe in it? You know, have you ever experienced the majesty and glory of God? You know, being out here, it's, it's easy, because if you can't, then you got a problem. You know, look around. <laughs> Listen to the little, little ones' voices. But you can't quite make out the words yet, because they're so new. <laughs> that is sweet. And it's part of the glory of God. So you all have been witnesses and hearers of it today. But many times I think we, we like to learn and we like to hear about spirituality. But reading and experiencing it are two different things. 
deep spiritual life is meant for everyone. It's not just for monks, uh, you know, locked away somewhere or nuns or, or pastors or anybody else that you think is a professional uh, religious type person. It is to be pursued in the midst of everyday life by everyday people, which all those people I mentioned, like monks and nuns and pastors, they're just that too. They're just people who've been called by God and they respond to that call in a particular way. But we are all to pursue this life in the midst of our lives. It is the daily and constant offering of ourselves and all that we have and all that we are to God. And that's one of my favorite parts of like the wedding liturgy is when we say, we do the vows and we say, you know, they'll give themselves and all that they have and all that they are. That's what we're to do, is strive uh, to be a constant offering uh, to God. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. In Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in speech or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God, the Father, through him. You know, Think to yourself as you're doing something that maybe is a little challenging or out of your comfort zone. I'm doing this for God. I'm going to do what I do with such excellence and with such compassion that I'm honoring you, God, while I'm seeking to walk for you and with you and reflecting your love to the whole wide world. Finding God and serving God and even worshiping God is possible in our everyday lives. If we look at our work, our play, our interactions with others with spiritual eyes, then all that we do begins to take on spiritual worth. And if the things we do start taking on spiritual worth, then what also starts happening is the people who we surround ourselves with and that we encounter day by day also become become people of spiritual work. They become, in our thinking, the children of God that they've always been, but we sometimes have not recognized. Wesley's first question, is Jesus real to me? gets at the point of our Christian pursuit of devotion and witness to Jesus. Wesley wanted to make sure that those claiming the name Christian were not simply following a religion, but were experiencing a relationship with Jesus Christ that was transformative. When Jesus is real to us, that reality shows itself to us. But not just to us. <laughs> it shows to others through Christ's impact on our words and our actions in our disciplines, in our practices. Discipleship, you know, that process that we grow in of spiritual growth, of becoming a deeply committed Christian, it isn't about those showy acts of piety that you do to show everybody how holy you are. But rather, discipleship is the way of Jesus as we experience him as a person. Jesus becomes more real to us through pursuing the practices of discipleship that Jesus did each day. 
as we encounter the ways he interacted with others, then we seek to interact in that same way, with that same vision. Through scripture reading and study and prayer and service and fasting and moments of solitude, by paying attention to God's activity all around us and joining authentic community, all of those things, they change the lens through which we view the world. This week's Wesley questions relate to our relationship with Christ, to prayer and scripture reading and obedience to God. They help us to conform our thoughts and our actions and our lives uh, more and more with those of Jesus. God in Christ is as close as the air that we breathe. Take a deep breath. That close. Pretty darn close, huh? Jesus is never far off, but we must pay attention. We must grope for him. But in our groping and in our trying to pay attention, we must also trust that when we do that, we will indeed find him. I encourage you this week to pay attention to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And as the study, and as you study, allow yourself to connect with the living God through Wesley's questions. And I hope by the end of this week that you will be able to say that Jesus is real to me. And those who encounter his love flowing through you will also uh, be able to see it too. Amen.